Welcome to the Kitchen Sink meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Please note, we will be holding this meeting via Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you'd like to attend the meeting live, go to oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. Hello, everyone. I am Marisa, a compulsive overeater. And um, I have two young sons downstairs. They are seven and eight. I'm actually a member of the LAOAIG group, even though I'm in Connecticut, because one of the silver linings of, you know, the pandemic was that a lot of meeting, every meeting went to Zoom. And because I have to take care of my kids and work at the same time, I can't do meetings during the day. But my sponsor, who's in Washington State, was like, why don't you do the LA meeting? And they're perfect. Not, my kids are in bed by 9. Log right on to a meeting at 9.30. And, you know, I always wanted to live in Los Angeles but never quite made it. So I see this as, like, my higher power being like, guess what? You're, you kind of do live in Los Angeles now. And, like, I cannot wait to actually meet everybody in person. Um, so how it started. So I've been in OA since 2004, the end of my 20s through my early 40s. Um, but I've always been a compulsive overeater since, I mean, I don't even know since when. It's my earliest memories, which I like to share, and I try to follow the format, like, you know, how it's how it started, what happened, how I got into OA, and then, like, what my life is like now. So my earliest memories, like, I was grew up in an Italian family. Um, it's interesting because on one hand, like, a lot of people share, oh, food was love, and I had that element. But there were also a lot of, of dieters. My mom um, was very slender, and so was my dad. They were both in shape. So there was this weird dichotomy. Like, you know, they Diet Coke was everywhere all over the house, slim fast shakes, Um Yet, I was told by my dad, who encouraged sports, that I could eat foot-long subs at Subway, and nobody stopped me when a soccer game was over from eating more pizza than every other player on the team, um, even though I was of average size. And I always felt really comfortable when I was when I was full. So, um, you know, that was kind of my life, and it never really affected me. I came from parents, I and a, I guess a background where my metabolism was the way it was. Like my, you know, my, I would be called pleasantly plump by my grandmother, who also told me I needed a nose job. Like she, that was just who she was. But and you know, and then I remember when I took ballet lessons, I was told like a girl would look at my legs and call me fat. But I was, I didn't, I kind of brushed it off. I mean, I guess it entered my subconscious, but one, the one thing I do remember is when I'm 44, so, and I guess it was 1988 or 1989, a digital scale came into my, my parents' home, and it was, like, this big deal, because, like, I'd never seen one before, and I remember stepping on there and seeing the number, it was over 100, um, ironically, it was only, like, three pounds less than I am now, because, yeah, I was in puberty, like, that's, kind of um and my dad I remember him saying like oh you know you're older now you're gonna start slow down your growing you gotta slow down your eating and I was like I felt so ashamed like I had been kind of told I could eat whatever I want until this point not really given much guidance other than like three glasses of milk a day and don't have too many sweets like you know I ate McDonald's twice a week my, my mom worked and 
it was just, you know, really hard, especially back then there were no remote days for her to get anything but pizza or McDonald's on the table. So I was, I was confused. I was like, what? And I felt really ashamed. Like I had to at age 12 suddenly like learn how to, to manage my weight without any tools other than like, you know, my dad saying, Oh, if you're hungry, drink a glass of milk. Like there was no like, well, you should eat, you know, balanced meals at these times that have a combination of protein and starches. So you're not, you know, no, none of that, you know, I was, I was a little girl. So I just remembered my high school years during cross country and track season. I always played a lot of sports very competitively, like the state level. I would get down to a, like my, what my father called my ideal running weight. Like he, he, I don't know if he knew better or not, but like the weight that they approved of me being. Um, which was two pounds less than I was when I was 12. And then during the off season, I would put on a little weight, but I would lose it again during the on season, but no big deal. Like we're talking five pounds up and down. Um, and, but I do remember like during one off season, trying to lose weight, um, not being so confused that I started that I would drink my mom's slim fast shake plus have a muffin. And I gained weight because, of course, I did. That was a ton of calories. Like, I didn't know. I just thought Slim Fast was this, like, magical elixir that you just drank it and, I don't know, melted your weight. Like, I, I didn't know. So I told her to draw a picture of a fat person and put it on the refrigerator so I would know better. And I was about 13 or 14 at this point. Then I discovered my libido and boys when I was 15 and went just, like, crazy. My hormones were going crazy. I was full of lust. And that's just how my body worked. And, again, I was – from a Catholic family. It was very, a lot of shame around that. But I remember just feeling I needed to be skinny at that time. And my best friend at the time introduced me to Dexatrim, which I don't know. There, I know there might be some young people on here. It was basically like this diet pill you would take and it curbed your hunger. It was like speed, like legal speed. And we would steal it and I would take it when I was 15 and I would literally, when I was um, that's when I started becoming sexually active. I would actually find it, it recreational to stay, to stay up all night and look in the mirror at my shrinking body. Like this was my new extracurricular activity. And then think about boys and attention. And I would just, I would love it. And then I'd eat like one meal a day because I wasn't hungry. I was on speed. And then I get positive reinforcement. My grades were suffering. I, Eventually, my grades got so bad, I got kicked off a couple of my sports teams in my senior year, but I was skinny, and everybody thought I was pretty, and I could, you know, I was hot, and I would go to parties, and I would get all the attention from all the boys, all the cute ones, and all the girls would be jealous of me, and then they would call me a slut because I was sexually active at the time, and in the 90s, like, you know, it wasn't cool to be like that, like, um, you were either a virgin or a slut, there was no in-between, and I got to college and I kind of found my groove. I found my people, you know, I was kind of in the alternative crowd. I started playing guitar and I wrote poetry. I was always a creative person, but I needed to stay skinny. So I discovered this other drug called ephedrine, which is now illegal, I think. Um, And that was it. I would eat a big muffin, chocolate muffin in the morning and all the girls would look like me, like she's like two pounds. Like, how is she eating this? And I'd be like, oh, whatever, this is just how I was born. It was a lie because I would take my drugs, drink my coffee. I aced all my classes because I was on speed the entire morning, and I just stayed skinny. I didn't need – no. there was no more track, no more exercising. I didn't go to the gym. I just had my epidurin and walked to class, and that was, that was enough for me. And um, 
tons of positive feedback. My and, and then I remember I started taking crystal meth when I would go dancing with my friends. We'd go to like, you know, nightclubs and stuff like that. And it actually was a mood elevator. And I remember my grandfather would be like, God, Marisa, you know, you were so morose and self-deprecating in high school. Look at you. You're full of joy now. And I'm like, yeah. I was high on drugs. Like that's, that's why I was full of joy. You know, when you're on speed, you know, you're in your, all these things, like of course you're bouncing off the walls with energy and joy. Um, but that kind of faded, um, after high school, I never really liked drugs. I don't even like pot. I don't even really like alcohol that much because there's, there's nothing exciting about them other than what can make me skinny. Literally that's where my excitement comes from is being thin, getting attention for my looks, um, did I mention being thin? Like, so I starved myself a lot. I was on the zone diet to manage my life and I got, I started doing the gym and it was manageable for a while eating 1400 calories a day. That's what they said to eat 1100 to 1400. And I managed to do that and exercise like 10 times a day in my early twenties, but, and I managed to stay pretty tiny, but eventually like you, the floodgate, like you can't live like under eating. You, you, it's, I know there's some people who have this undercalorizing lifestyle, but it wasn't sustainable because I met someone, I met a guy who I really fell for. I was always attracted to sort of the bad boy types. Um, cause you know, with one of my things, it, it, one of my big addictions is excitement. And I got bored with the really smart, intellectual, like thoughtful, men like they weren't exciting they didn't have the drugs they didn't stay up all night they didn't play guitar they didn't have tattoos and but Bruce was a heroin addict and I remember he stole I went with him in and out of rehab I didn't really know what AA was he went to that and I thought you just got cured so whatever I went to Al-Anon I was like sure I'll just show up for you but this is your thing but then one night on Valentine's Day in 2002, Bruce, I came to my garage to drive home, and he had stolen my car. He had taken it to Baltimore, and I had to call the police and report my boyfriend. And it was devastating. I eventually got my car back, but it was the most traumatic and crushing event of my life. So from that point on, I was super, super skinny. I threw myself into dating men, women, anybody. I slept with everyone. I then, but then I started binging. I would, I was living in a group, progressive group house in DC and I would go in the cabinets and take those things of fudge icing and eat the entire thing. And I didn't know what was going on because I always knew I sort of had eating issues like but it never got to the point I was never anorexic. I never starved myself enough for you to be anorexic. I couldn't throw up to say, throw up to save my life. So I wasn't bulimic. Nobody told me about binge eating disorder. So I was like, what, what is this thing I have? What, what's going on with me? Like, I just can't stop eating. And so suddenly none of my old tricks would work. I used to just make up diets randomly and they would work in the past. Like the no dinner diet was one of the things I did for a couple of years and it worked. Suddenly, I just couldn't stop eating, and I was just like, so then I became more and more desperate. My diets became more and more extreme, but still, I would be good all day, have my 1,000 calories, then I'd get home, and I'd raid someone's cabinet. I would, like, eat five pints of ice cream. It was it was just insane, and people, nobody believed me. They were like, oh, you're still thin. Like, you can't have an eating disorder. 
Um, you know, of course, by this point, I, 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 I crept up about 10 pounds in a 10-month period. But no amount of food, no amount of attention was enough. And um, I did a 40-mile walk for colon cancer. And after that, I remember binging. Um, and I got actually got back together with my ex-boyfriend, Bruce, the one who stole my car from heroin. He did a stint in jail, but he was sober for a year. And it's funny, he ended up being in a really good place in his sobriety when he broke up with me. He's like, I don't know what your issues are, but you, I can't stay sober around you. And I was like, no, you're the junkie. You're the problem. Like, and finally, I remember it was sometime around, yeah, early 2004, me and Bruce had broken up and my friend Miriam, I told her, I was like, hey, we're thinking about going out for my birthday. We're just going to, you know, get a couple of, um, we're going to get some cake, you know, because at this point I still ate dessert. And she said these magic words I'll never forget. I don't eat dessert anymore. I was like, what? She's like, yeah, I'm in this program called OA. And it blew my mind. I was like, wait, someone, you can actually not eat dessert? Like, that's a life option? Like, that's a, that's, that, I didn't know it was possible. I thought you, like, I just was, like, confused. I was, like, what? It blew my mind. Like, I don't eat dessert anymore? You can't not eat dessert. Like, there's birthdays. And bo- no, I don't eat dessert anymore. I was in OA the next morning. And the first share I heard, it was in Washington, D.C. It was March 6, 2004. It just blew my mind. Like, these this these were all people with binge eating disorder. Now, if they're anorexics, they're bulimics. There were 100-pounders. There were people of all weights. Skinny, heavy, in between, normal, and way on the spectrum. And just, it blew my mind. Now, it took me a while to get it. It really took a lot of trial and error. And just under, at first, I just lost the weight because I stopped eating sugar. And I was like, oh, this is great. But I wasn't really getting the spiritual component because I would relapse. One time I drank an entire bottle of sugar-free maple syrup in graduate school because I was stressed out and I almost had to go to the hospital. It took me a while until I did my fourth step um, with the second sponsor. I did it with the first sponsor, but I still wasn't giving up a lot of my other addictions, like to sex and to dishonesty and whatever, to really get um, abstinence, like really sit with someone for a whole day. She sat with me. She listened to my answers to every question for me to write down the names of everyone I had harmed and to finally realize I was a perpetrator. I was not a victim. I was attention-seeking. All the times I thought I was wronged and loved, I had a role to play, and it just blew my mind. By the same token, I also was a people pleaser. I didn't know how to say no, whether to extra food or to sexual encounters I wasn't comfortable for. It was life-changing, steps four, five, and six, and I pretty much got abstinent to that on that point. Okay, so... After then, that's when I met my husband, and he was different than so many of the other guys I dated. Um, the last, the one before him was different as well. I, he wasn't like a, a fly-by-night sailor, like this exciting drug addict type on rock star. He can hardly play the drums, but he was kind. He was loving. He was good-looking, he liked playing sports, and he wanted the things that I wanted. I wanted kids. I wanted, you know, I wanted, like, a relationship that was solid. I didn't want to have to be, like, 
worried about how long someone went to the bathroom and whether they're shooting heroin. Like, I, I just wouldn't, like, and it's hard because I sometimes forget because, like, I know my husband's not going to, like, run off with another woman. I know he's not going to cheat on me. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I miss all, I miss the excitement. I miss the excitement. Then I just realize, like, God, I mean, I was really burned from all the excitement. And what I have now is so different. Um, so first I'll talk about what I have now, and then I will do want to talk about, like, how I continue to work the steps and work the program to keep what I have. Because it could go right now. I could go downstairs um, and eat sugar. My, I have two kids. There's sugar in the, fr- in the, in the freezer. Um, I could go binge right now. What I'm hoping is that I can stay abstinent, and I think I will because of what I do. But um, anyway, so getting to OA, immediately felt at home. Yeah, I already talked about that. Marisa, you have five minutes. Thank you. So what do I have now? So right now my life, it's very different. I recently did a 30 and 30 again um, because, um, you know, I hadn't done one in a while. After having kids, being a mom and going to a meeting, including travel, taking two hours, it's very expensive to have a sitter. I'm not a stay-at-home parent. I have to make money. I do need to spend time with my kids. So I was going to maybe two meetings a week. Um, now I go to at least two, usually three or four Zoom meetings. Um, sometimes a meeting's 15 minutes. Sometimes a meeting is an email, is one of my email meetings. But I do the AEIOU at the end of the day, most days. I do forget sometimes um, to do the 10th step. But I, I, it's, sometimes it's quick. Sometimes it's just literally one sentence. Every single morning without fail, though, I meditate and I pray. Always the third step prayer. I always meditate. I have a sponsor. Um, I have one sponsee now. I'm open for additional ones. Sometimes I have more. Sometimes I have less. And I just do what I can and I show up. Am I perfect? No. I'm late half the time. Like, I had to, like, work really hard to be five minutes early to this meeting. Like, I'm still working through that. Um... There are a lot of ups and downs. A year ago, I went through a bit of an emotional relapse. I suddenly, I'm in a rock band, and I'm I'm kind of in my midlife years, so I just started getting a lot of attention for my looks, and I just started, it was like a drug. I couldn't get enough attention. Suddenly, it, like, I became all about attention on the social media, and it took me away from my, my program, which in my abstinence is three meals and one snack. I have some sugars. I turn them all over my sponsor, like nutrition bars. Um, sometimes I will have a frozen yogurt thing, um, like a bar, like a hundred calorie thing at night. Once in a while, I always check in with my sponsor. Um, I'm not an AA. I, so I did try AA, but I realized I was only in there because there's more boys in there and I'm really boy crazy and it's not the program that's for me. And that's okay. Not everybody in AA is an OA. It's totally fine. Um, alcohol is not exciting to me. What's exciting is attention and food, um, money, possessions, shopping. All of those things are exciting to me. I'm very bored by anything that doesn't have to do with any of those things. So, I have to work this program or everything in my life will go. It's, it's 
And I'm so glad I do because, like, I see friends and they'll lose weight. But it always comes back. I was able to have two babies and gain exactly 40 pounds and lose exactly 40 pounds. I'm the same weight after each pregnancy. I work out. Um, sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's 45. I'm meeting some friends at 8 a.m. to work out. And I know the, there's two of them that are work out like five times a day and they are meeting earlier. I think I deserve sleep. I think running four miles is fine. I don't, that's, that's enough. That's all I need. Why do I have to sacrifice sleep to prove some point? I don't. That's the beauty of this program. I am happier with myself five pounds heavier than I was when I was hitting bottom. When I had all that attention and all those things, I am a freelance writer and a guitar teacher. I'm in a band. I work from home whenever and wherever I want. I was told I was infertile. I prayed. I got blessed with two kids anyways. It's a miracle. Like everything I have, I have a home. Um, Currently, my husband's being sued, and we may have to leave our home, but I'm okay. <laughs> you know, I'm not eating over it. It's, you know, I'm not eating over it, and I'm not starving over it. So um, I think I only have 30 seconds, but I just want to share that, like, it does work if you work at having a, a, a sponsor that holds me accountable that I can call any time. And a sponsor who's a mom like me was also really important. Like, I hear some people who aren't parents, and they work – their program looks a little different than mine. Like, I do the best I can. Like, sometimes I'm late. Sometimes a kid crawls on my lap during a meeting. Like, I can't – you know, I can't do some of the things that I could, but I do as much as I can. So – um, I'll pass my time at this point, and thank you for letting me share, and I'll answer any questions. This is the time for questions, only there's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. As a whole, when asking questions, you do not, you need not identify yourself. If you're using video and have a question, please raise your hand. If you're using audio only, please click the raise your hand icon. Okay. Do I do I call on people? Stephanie Stephanie Mark? Yes. No. Yes, you do. Okay, great. Um I see I'm just calling in order as I see them. I see Heather C. Hi, Heather C, compulsive overeater and bulimic. Oh, let me see if I can get both of these in. Thank you for your amazing share. Um I got a lot of it and very inspired. Uh, my question for you is, I'm so glad to hear from somebody who is busy and who has to work um, and do this program. Uh, um, so my question is, how do you plan your meals, being a busy mom, having to work? I, I mean, the house, everything, right? Everything is happening. Um, so I'd really love to hear how you're planning your meals while you're having to do so many other things. Um, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for saying that. I have a few benefit things going for me that are good. Um, my husband does cook. We have a schedule we write on our refrigerator of what we're going to be having each night. There is one night my kids are allowed to have fast food, pizza, McDonald's, whatever. That's there. And they're little kids. They They can have limited quantities of certain things that I can't. Me and my husband will order something healthy that fits within my food plan that night. 
Um, so we write it down. He does the shopping, and I tell him exactly what I need. Occasionally, I do the shopping. Um, it depends on the day, and we try to get things in advance. Well, also, that was a quarantine habit. Um, I wake up earlier than my children to do breakfast. I spend about a half an hour in the morning. I do have the advantage of working from home. So they go to school from four hours a day, from nine to one, um, and they do after child care in the afternoons. So um, that is helpful to me. I do have a cleaning person, but if things aren't on schedule, if I have an off day, things don't get done. And sometimes, like, I can't win the day. Sometimes I have to microwave something. You know, you can't win every day perfectly. If I had a headache from lifting weights, I just couldn't cook. So I boiled some noodles in water. I cut up some things, threw it in the pan. Like, I microwaved a bag of peas. I have easy solutions, and I don't try to kill myself. Like, I'll see recipes in parenting magazines, and sometimes I'll be like, oh, I should do this 12-point recipe for my kids. But I'm like, you know what? No. No. Three things they can pick. And the other night, my one kid had one bite of the protein. But I told him, I was like, I'm not, you know. I. So it's, it's trial. possible, But I give myself as much grace as possible for the off days. Thank you. Okay, Mick is next. Yeah, uh, hi. Thanks for your share. Um, what What are you like when it, you say you're involved with uh, rock bands? Are you Are you okay with people knowing that you're in away in that environment, or do you keep your away recovery side separate from your like band gig side? Um, I do. I don't talk about away. Um. I have a sponsor, I have my old sponsor is an AA and an OA and she is actually super famous and she, people, they can probably put two and two together because she's been sober for 15 years and figure out who she is. Just like people, if they meet me and they, they, like, they know that I'm in a program of some kind and if once they talk to me, but I don't, I don't broadcast it at all. I try to live by example. I eat healthy, like I don't post pictures of my meals on social media. But I, I exercise, I, you know, I, I run, people see me running, um, but I am open to anybody who I know, like I have 12 stepped a few people individually. I hope that answers your question, but I don't, I don't broadcast it. Thank you. The next one is, um, was it Vincent or Julie? Vincent, I think. Thanks, Marisa, for your share. I have a question about your spiritual life. How has it changed before and after you joined the program, or maybe even during the program? Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for asking this. I meant to say this. So when I was – I practiced spirituality for a completely different purpose. Like, I was raised Catholic and Christian, but I actually decided I wanted to do Wic- Wicca so I could cast spells to manipulate um, people to like me romantically. I'm not kidding. This is what I did when I was a teenager. And I would pray before I would – like, you know, I would do a lot of competitions with my poetry and music, and I would pray. I'd be like, God, help me win. My spirituality is so different now. My higher power is only, it's always, if this is your will. Like, God, help me to, help me to, um, you know, get through this hard time. Help me to cope with this situation. Give me the best tools I can guide, do, have to guide myself through this. Please don't let me have a miscarriage if it is your will for me. I really, really, really want to do my best and have this kid. 
that's how it is. I don't go to a religious institution. Um, I'm a secular humanist who prays to God. And that never, I didn't even know that was possible. I thought you had to be part of a religion or pray for things you wanted before OA. Um, Julie Taylor, or Julie T, sorry. Okay, thanks. Um, having been kind of steeped in diet mentality, um, I don't know if you weigh and measure, but in planning your meals, how do you, do you ever fall into that or how do you uh, break that? Um, I, as a lot of people in the rooms, I have all the, I have every calorie possibility, like, memorized. I know how many grams of, I can look at a piece of raw chicken and tell you exactly how much protein fat is in it. I'm not getting it. And I'm with pretty, pretty close accuracy. I did have a food scale and I weigh my proteins for a long time. Now I just use the palm and kind of eyeball it because I'm super busy and I, I cut it up and most of the time I'm right. If I need a fat, I know how to cut up half an avocado and stuff like that. I do still measure my starches, though, because I can go crazy, even with a potato. Like, if I don't measure that in advance, like, I will go nuts. And it's funny. The other night I had to, like, I was making a Trader Joe's pasta, and my husband's like, we have an Italian place. You just ordered Uber Eats. Why didn't you just get pasta from there? And he's not in the program. I'd be like, well, because Trader Joe's tells me exactly how much nutrients is in it. So why would I, you know, not, why would I trust a restaurant with my starches when I, when I love them and I could easily go over? So, um, Tracy K. Hi, thank you, Marissa, for your share. Um, you, I'm kind of coming back. I'm a compulsive overeater from Saskatchewan, Canada. I don't think I've been in the program for close to 15 years. I've just been kind of coming back. It's maybe my 10th meeting again. But I feel like a newbie on so many levels. But um, I think you said it twice, and I never heard it before. You said you do your A-E-I-O-U's, and I never heard that before. So what is that? Okay. Well, I don't want to speak for every OA, but from what my sponsor told me when I do my 10 stuff, I write. It's just an easy way to do a 10 stuff. Like, A, the things I did to stay abstinent today. And that'll, and I'll, sometimes it'll just be one sentence. Like, I logged into a Zoom meeting and for an hour and didn't check my text messages. It's like, literally, it'll be like, that's what I did. Um, I didn't eat more than my three meals. That's, that's it on, on busy days. Sometimes it's all those things. Plus, you know, I prayed three times a day. I called my sponsor and two other people because I, you know, I need to call people because I'm so always thinking about me and my own needs and myself. But, like, I'm really glad the program, like, that's one of our tools. <laughs> Um, and then the E is exercise. Like, what did I do to maintain my fitness? And, like, I have to actually set limits on exercise. Like, today, um, it kills me, but I can't, I already exercised all the other days. So I had to just do yoga. So that was my exercise. I just stretched. I did yoga. My my poor little Apple Watch is going to give me some kind of a warning. Like, you haven't exercised. You usually exercise by this time. What's wrong with you? Get off your butt. But, you know, that's. Like it's for me, I have to set a limit. For other people, they need that nudge. Like that's important to them. Like they don't automatically get motivated. But um, and so I, it's things I did for myself. And believe me, I do plenty of stuff for myself. So I, but there is self care is totally important. Like I showered, I brushed my hair, I um didn't pick at my skin. Like sometimes I do that when I get nervous. Like those are things I did for self care. Oh, is what did I do for other people? Again, I really need to check myself with this. Like, 
Did I call somebody? Did I ask my neighbor if I could help shovel their driveway? Did I, you know, did my spouse, when he was feeling exhausted, did I offer to cook dinner, even though it's his night? Like, what did I do to get out of my my own head? Did I volunteer? Did I stay late at the meeting to chat with people? And then you is uncover. Like, what did I uncover um, throughout the day? Like, you know, oh, I noticed I'm, you know, getting really cranky. Is it because I'm, is it because of COVID or is it because of something else? Like, it gives me time to reflect. And, again, sometimes I don't have more than, like, a minute each, but it's something. It's something. It's like it, it, it bookends my day. Now, there are other people I want to say that do that. Two, you might want to, like, ask around if you hear that term again, but there are obviously many different ways to do a, a 10-step inventory. Great. Thank so, you. Thank you. Um, sure. Uh, Don, I see. Yeah. Um, thank you, Marissa. Marissa, excuse me. Um, what is your concept of a higher power today? Oh, that's such a good question. Oh, my God. Um, it's a non-binary <laughs> <laughs> they them theirs um entity it's not a woman or it's it's i don't know it's it's just it's the universe it's the good i do think it is an other being that's just like what i have in my head but i don't know what it looks like it doesn't have a shape um sometimes it's a woman or sometimes it is a man it's just the force it's a force force of nature within the universe that somehow can harness the good in me the energy that propels the best possible outcome. That's the best way to say it. And I do pray and meditate every day, which is something I never did in my CC, my days of, of being Catholic when I was a kid. It was always about praying because I was a sinner. So that's an important thing for me. Oh, Mark. Hello, Marissa, and thank you so much for your share. Um, you mentioned that you uh, are a people pleaser. How do you some, uh, deal with that when sometimes, you know, you want to go in, someone's either, you know, needing help and you're like, you know, you're like, oh, I can help them. But at the same time, you know, it's, uh, you don't want to then sometimes go too much. I mean, how do you get that? How do you stop yourself from doing too much? That's really, I think that's an important question because I did have a, I do want to, I think I want to answer that question by talking about a sponsee I had. I'm going to call her Nicole, even though that's not her name. Um, and it was somebody here. I met her in an in-person meeting. You know, we chatted. She was new to the program and she couldn't stop ordering food. She, she only could order food out. And at first I was like, okay, well, you know, one day, like, let's start working the steps. Let's start talking about this. But it ended up being that she didn't want to take any of my suggestions and she would just call me when she was in the line in a drive-thru, like several times a day. Like, oh, I can't stop myself. Oh, I'm feeling bad, so I'm just going to go to this donut drive through place and, and go and go and go. And, you know, and then she'd be like – and she would also be very codependent. She'd be like, oh, I just wanted to call you and tell you that I ate at this vegan place, and here are the 20 things I ate. And I'm like, is that on your food plan? She's like, no, but I thought it was healthy. Like, didn't And it just became to the point where it became very codependent. It became very clear she wanted to work this program her way. And she didn't want to surrender. And maybe there are sponsors out there that would be okay with that. I was not one of them. I've, take, I've taken calls from other people who are like, oh, well, um, I don't want to eat kale any day. This is how I want to work the program. I want to be holistic and, and just stop when I'm hungry. And I'm like, well, that's great, but I have to set a limit with you. Um, this isn't going to work for me. 
There's only so much that I have. I cannot, you know, maybe there is a sponsor for you. Maybe there's a different program for you, but I can only offer sponsorship in the way that I was taught that maybe the person I am, I don't know what it's like to eat without limits. Like, you know, I don't intuitive eating don't work for me. Maybe it works for someone else to count their own nuts. That's not me. No, 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 no. Like, I don't, I don't know what full feels like. I have lost laparometer. So you have to, I guess setting limits about what works for you is super important. Um, with, with whoever you're with and just saying, I, I just can't ha- handle it. I'm sorry. I'm just, I have a lot on my plate right now. I don't know. I, does that does that help at all? Or is there a follow-up question to that? Or I don't know if there is an area where it's, okay. Are there any other questions? We have four minutes. We have time for one or two more. Okay. Going once, going twice. All right. Oh, I see one more. Okay, from Michael. Okay, good, Heidi. Yeah, we're going to – anyway, thanks for sharing. So, you know what? I missed about the last – I can't hear you. Your relationship with your husband, okay? That Talk a little bit about that and how, you know, you temper your your past – with your present and how you're kind and compassionate or whatever. How do you use the program to communicate tactfully with your husband? Oh my gosh. It, well, I marriage, I've been married 10 and a half years and it's absolutely the most beautiful, but difficult thing. Um, I try my very best to put myself in his shoes. Um, that's the one thing I try to do is to think about his workload and when he complains to really, to hold myself accountable. In Al-Anon, we learn that we cannot change the other person. We can only change myself. When I make a mistake, I always apologize. And I'm genuinely trying to see that. Like, I guess, now that, you know, it was because I've been, uh, I felt very entitled to having a lot of free time over the last month. Like once we went back to partial in-person school, I suddenly started taking so much personal time because my husband isn't working right now. And he said to me, he's like, lately, everything's about you. You've been very selfish. And my first, in my head, I was like, what do you mean? Whatever. You don't have a job. You should be cleaning, cooking, and educating the children. Like I'm working, whatever. It's like, well, you were playing guitar this morning. Were you really working? And I had to think about what he said. Like, he's still, he's not my bitch. I had to, I had to own myself. I had to own what I did that night and be, and really think hard about, about how I was treating him because he's not, you know, he could be gone one day. Something could happen. Like, I, this relationship, it's not gonna, there's no guarantee. You don't just get to keep your spouse. You gotta work for them. So one day at a time with that. Um, I, I think I have time for one more. Frida? Thank you so much. Such an amazing, amazing share. Um, so much resonance, too. I'm, I'd love to hear. So I have a 16-month-old, and um, my food has had to change dramatically, obviously, like through pregnancy, and um, and then I breastfed that, and now he's, um, he's eating his own food, which is a trip, right? Like helping a little creature develop healthy eating habits. So I'm, I'd love to hear about how your food 
has changed um, over the years with motherhood. Because one thing I'm really struggling with is, like, in the past, I would wake up in the middle of the night to nurse him, and then I'd have a snack. You know, I'm waking up in the middle of the night, and I want to have a snack, and um, or like eat compulsively, which isn't, which isn't um, loving or recovery. So, any well, any insight, experience, strength, and hope around yeah. that is amazing. Thank you so much again. Yeah, I would like to please put your number, message me your number. Um, I will put my number in here because I have a longer, longer answer, and I do want to have a separate conversation without taking time away from the meeting. But I just want to, so I just will quickly say. I had to just really adapt my rules and just be a little bit more lenient with myself. Um, not eating between meals, but just sometimes I have to had to chew gum when I was preparing their food when I started out because I'd, I'd smell it and I'd want it for myself. I had to use some of those tricks early on. And I just, and sometimes I don't, you know, food process, saute, and do everything perfectly. But I, I have a longer answer to that, and if, please contact me because I, I do want to talk to you about it because there is a, a lot of changes that go into that. But um, I think that's all the time we have.